The following podcast is brought to you by Pathways Church. Thanks for joining us for this message from our weekend service. We exist to lead people into a growing relationship with Christ. If you have any questions or even a story to share about how God is moving in your life, we would love to hear from you. You can email us at info at pathwayschurch.us. Thanks for listening, and we pray that God's Word will enrich your journey today. Well, good morning, Pathways Church. And uh, hey, listen, a special shout out to all of our students. If you're a middle school or high school student, I'm the guy that you have to blame for your parents walking in and waking you up this morning to make sure that you're watching today. And parents, by the way, if you've forgotten to do that, go do that right now. Seriously, just walk into the room and say, hey, Listen, Adam is, Pastor Adam is down in our living room right now, and he wants to talk to you. Just drag them out of bed because, man, I would love, I, I feel like this message is so important for the next generation, and I'd love for you to go do that. So do that right now, and as you're doing that, let me just say to the rest of us, hey, listen, I am so excited about part two of this sermon series called Habits, and here's why, because I believe that that what we're embarking upon is something that is so transformative for who we are as followers of Jesus Christ. And if you missed last week or if you're a guest and you're checking us out, by the way, we're so excited that you're here. Make sure you go back on our mobile app or our website and check out last week's message because I had some very important things to share. I laid a foundation around this topic of habits. See, habits really matter because here's the deal. Much of what we do is not a result of conscious choices, but rather of daily habits. Therefore, if we can pay attention to our habits, and more importantly, if we can pay attention to the decisions that form and inform our habits, then you know what? God is going to have a greater opportunity to work in us and through us and to shape us so that we can look more like him and impact our world and get through this life in a way that would honor him. And so that is so important. Make sure you check out live. Last, week, uh, last week's message. And don't forget, did, did, did you uh, do what the habit was last week? Did you have some time to, to seek God? That was the habit, to, to seek God, to listen to God by reading his word and praying. How did that go for you? Daniel 1 through 6, soap, you remember that? If you didn't get a chance to do that, I would encourage you to do that this week or check out last week's message. Now, as we jump into today, I've been thinking about this term a lot, a term that's familiar to all of us, and, and the term is this, social distancing, right? That term is so familiar to us, and we all understand why the term, the phrase exists, because we want to make sure that we keep, encourages us to, to keep proper, proper distance so that we don't pass the virus and protect those who are vulnerable around us. But what is so incredibly unfortunate about that that phrase, social distancing, is that it's actually the wrong phrase. It shouldn't be social distancing. It should be called physical distancing because if we've learned anything over the last several months, social connection is what we need. We don't need social distancing. We might need physical distancing, but we need social connection. See, relationships are essential during this time, really during all times, but, but currently what we're experiencing as a church and as a world today, we need to be connected with one another. 
The idea that, that God just shows us in his word that, that relationships were designed to be in relationship. He made us to be in relationship with him and relationship with one another. This biblical principle that we're stronger together is not something that, that marketers just push out in our world today, that we're all in this together in that kind of language. No, no, no. It is so much more profound than that. The truth of God is that he wants us to be in relationship with other brothers and sisters of the faith so that the decisions that we make begin to form the habits that result in a life of faith and faithfulness. And this is exactly what we have seen in the Old Testament character, a guy by the name of Daniel. In fact, if you have a Bible today, this is what we're going to be talking about, his front end, his first part of his story. Daniel chapter 1 is where we're going to be. Now, the time period is this, it's 606 BC, and the Babylonian Empire is the greatest nation, the most feared nation on planet Earth. And King Nebuchadnezzar is uh, the, the king of the Babylonian Empire. The Babylonian Empire is situated in modern day Iraq. And here's what takes place in 606 BC. King Nebuchadnezzar goes to the capital city of Jerusalem and he besieges, he takes some of God's people away. Actually, it's one of three sieges upon the capital city. One in 606 BC, the other in 597 BC, and then the last, which led to the final destruction of the city of Jerusalem, took place in 586 BC as uh, uh, prophesied by, by the prophet Jeremiah found in the Old Testament. And so, as Nebuchadnezzar brings God's people out of Jerusalem back to Babylon, he orders that one of his court officials, a guy by the name of, of Aspenes, Aspenes is called to take and to gain some of these young boys, these individuals who, who Nebuchadnezzar is going to train. And so he selects a group of these individuals, four young boys that we're going to look at, one of which is Daniel. And here's what he wants to do. He wants to bring them into this three-year training. He wants, to, he wants to take them and he wants to pull them in. His goal was simply this, that they would talk like Babylonians, that they would think like Babylonians, that they would eat like Babylonians, that they would dress like Babylonians, eventually that these boys would worship like Babylonians. And the Babylonian religion, I tell you what, it was full of sorcery and magic and divination. It was a very, very distant way of worship, and it wasn't worship to the one true God. So they find these four individuals, and here's in terms of who these boys were, these boys in athletic terms, they were like first round draft picks. They were studs. These were the PT peers. These were the blue chippers of the day. If you look at verse four, chapter one, it lists some of the descriptions of who these young boys were. They were handsome without physical defect. They were handsome. They were, they were well informed, showing aptitude to learn of many things. And they were, they were qualified to serve and they were quick to understand. So here's what Nebuchadnezzar wanted to do. He wanted to bring them into this training session. He wanted to reshape them. Think of like a Navy SEAL training with a Harvard education. He wanted to begin with the literature and the language of the day, and then he wanted to feed them. He wanted to reshape and reprogram them. Listen to verse 5. Here's what it says in Daniel chapter 1. 
It says the king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table. They were to be trained for three years, and after that, they were uh, to enter the king's service. So imagine for a moment, these young boys were coming into the capital city of Babylon. And when they entered, here's what they saw. They saw these massive walls and, and they saw these golden gates and they saw these watchtowers everywhere. There was so much beauty when they entered at the center of the city. There was one of the seven ancient wonders of the world called the Hanging Gardens of Babylon. Think for a moment like these this tiered structure with exotic trees and shrubs all the way around and they walked in. And they saw the gold, and they saw the gates, and they saw the gardens, and they, they had all this food that was laid before them, and they were recruited into this training program, and they thought, wow, this, this is unbelievable. What Nebuchadnezzar wanted to do was to reprogram them such that they would never want to go back to their old way of life and their God. You got, you got to think about this. You got to feel this. From the perspective of a 15-year-old, they were taken from their home, from their homeland, from their family. They entered into a foreign country. Did you ever travel to a foreign country? It smells differently, doesn't it? They eat different foods. It is totally different. And unlike the Assyrians, the Babylonians exercised strategy that was so, so powerful. See, they just didn't want to dominate them physically. What they wanted to do, they switched strategies once these young boys came and the people came. They wanted to reshape by seducing their hearts. They wanted to seduce their hearts in such a way that they would never want to go back to the old way of life because the old way of life, well, it just didn't compare to the gold and to the gardens and to the gates and to the beauty and the majesty and the money and the excellence of what this world had to offer these young boys. And you know what? The enemy's strategy is still the same today. Students, listen to me on this. Parents, lean in. Right now, this is so critical that you understand that this strategy is still being deployed by the enemy, by the devil himself, in the United States of America. Today, that this world wants to seduce our hearts in such a way that pulls us out of who God is, his power, his will for our lives. The Bible was on to this thousands of years ago. In 1 John chapter 2, it calls it this. It says, it's the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life. To which Jesus would say, what would it gain a person to, to profit, to gain the whole world, and yet lose their soul. Don't lose your soul. Don't lose your soul. Parents, that's why it is so important here at Pathways. We want to have an intentional impact on your kids. See, there was something that happened that, that takes place with these young boys. These young boys, by the way, hold on to your hats, they were 15 years old when they were taken to Babylon. They were going to learn the literature. They were going to learn the language. And they were going to lose their personal identification. 
Look at verse 7. Here's what God's word says. The chief of officials uh, came and gave them names. To Daniel, he gave the name Belteshazzar. To Hananiah, Shadrach. To Mishael, Meshach. And to Isaiah, Abednego. Now, this seems insignificant. Like, what's the big deal here? But these names were actually, the Hebrew names were attached to the God of the Bible, the one true God. In fact, Daniel's name means God is my judge. His name was, was changed to, to Belteshazzar, and Bel was one of the Babylonian gods. So they were stripping them of their very identification. Listen, parents, we need to keep God at the rightful place of who he is in the hearts and the minds of our kids. Think about it today. Our education system is being stripped of who God is, his will, his way, his word. The Bible was a primary textbook of a lot of universities when they were first founded and started. Think about Harvard. Think about Dartmouth. Think about, think about, think about all those major universities. The fundamental idea was God. Uh, students today, what you're being taught is that you are at the center of your own world, and that is a lie from the enemy. That's a very humanistic perspective. God is at the center of all of life, including your life. These 15-year-old boys were struggling, Daniel and these three friends of his, they were in this new land, this new place, and they were thinking, how are we going to navigate this? It's one of the reasons that Pathways, we want to help you parents navigate the world in which your kids and your students live in. In fact, a couple of weeks ago, we launched this FX in a box, this family experience in a box. And check out this little picture of this little girl who's looking through the content. She has her thumbs up. Why? Because the content in this box is going to help shape their hearts and their minds toward the ways of God. In fact, listen to what a couple parents said about this family experience in a box. Brooke wrote this. She says, I think this is a great idea. I have a four-year-old, and it was a challenge for me to think of creative ways to share the stories of Jesus in the Bible. This was absolutely perfect. Listen to what Melanie says. She says, we love the kit. Thank you for sharing this amazing resource. My, my kids especially like the cookies, and I appreciate the curriculum guides so that I can work with my girls on the concepts that are being introduced to them in church. Listen to this dad, Jameson. He writes this, the, the time with, with, with us that our kids have with us is very limited, and we're only given so much time to make the most important impact we can. In the hustle and bustle of navigating life, these boxes are not just a gift, but an opportunity to bring Jesus into the lives of our children. You know, there are many ideas out in the world, this is what he writes, of which people can have. However, there are too many that promote the idea of not following Jesus. It's important to redirect back to the importance of faith. Isn't that so true? Isn't that so true that we need to redirect we, we, that's why, parents, it is so important that you engage your kids in Pathways Kids, that you engage your students if you're 15, if you're middle school or high school. Listen, I would encourage you. There's a brand new series that's starting October 28th. It's called Stand Your Ground. Students, you need to know why you believe what you believe. You need to ask these challenging questions so that you can defend your faith first to yourself and then those who are going to be asking you some tough questions as you grow up in this hedonistic, humanistic world that is so anti-God. 
All right, back to the story, verse 8. This is what takes place. But Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine. I love that word, resolved. In the King James, it says, Daniel purposed in his heart not to defile himself with the royal food and wine. Now, why was this such a big deal? God did not forbid these young boys to learn a new language. God did not forbid these young boys to to, to learn a new form of literature, to read literature of, of the Babylonians. But what God was very clear about was that they were not to eat food that was sacrificed to idols. And the king's food from his table, that food would have been sacrificed to idols. So in other words, what Daniel was saying is simply this. I'm not going to eat the king's food. I'm not going to defile myself because he knew that the king's food would have a pagan blessing on it such that what it was saying to those who would eat of this food, if you eat this food, our gods, lowercase g, would strengthen you. And what Daniel and his three friends made a decision at 15 years of age, they made a decision to say, you know what, our dependence and our strength does not come from your gods, lowercase g. Our strength and our trust and our dependence and our hope is in the one true God. You can take everything away from us. You can change our names. You can make us learn new languages. We can read your books, but you can't take our relationship from God. You can't have that. 15 years old. You know, they could have made a lot of excuses, couldn't they? You could have said, well, you know what? He's the king after all. I mean, he, he's got, he gave the order, we're going to get punished. They could have said, well, everybody else is doing it. They could have said, you know, you know, we're a long way from home. What happens in Babylon stays in Babylon. Here's the clincher. They could have said, you know what, why would we stick with God when he abandoned us? They didn't do that. They made a decision that came out of a heart to honor God. In fact, here's the first truth of the message this weekend. God-honoring habits flow from a heart that desires to honor God above all else. Listen to me. What Daniel and his three friends, those young boys, did that day, their decision was so much more profound than food. It was a primary decision to honor God. And the primary decision that you and I have to make is simply this. Will we honor God above all else? Because every decision after that primary decision is secondary. Every decision fits within the framework of that one decision. I will honor God no matter what. So Daniel says to his superior, he respectfully asked, he said, hey, listen, can we not eat the king's food? And he said, well, you know, here's the problem. If you don't eat the food, you know what? You're going to look scrawny. You're going to look like a wet noodle because all of our boys, the other boys, here's what's going to take place. They're going to be bigger, faster, stronger. And then, you know what? I'm going to get in trouble because old Nebuchadnezzar is going to say, who's feeding these boys? And I'm going to be dead. So they respectfully say, you know what? Let's try it out for 10 days. Let me pause here for a second. Here's the second insight from this story this weekend. God-honoring decisions are made by faith. Wouldn't you love to know the outcomes of the decisions that you make by faith? You don't, do you? I don't. You don't. 
Daniel didn't, but his trust was in God. His trust was that God was going to keep them strong and healthy. His trust was that, that his superior would allow this challenge to take place. His trust was that God was going to show up if he would just honor God. And you know what happened? Verse 15, at the end, at the end of those 10 days, they looked healthier and better nourished than all the other young men who ate the royal food. And for the next three years, they had to choose God's diet. Veggies and water. Now, now, now think about that. If you're a 15-year-old boy, when I was 15, my mom and dad said, Adam, where are you putting this food? Do you have like a hollow leg? All I did was eat. Some of you were 15-year-old boys. Some of you, your moms of 15-year-old boys, you're like, oh my word, my grocery bill is like through the roof, right? For three years, they had to choose veggies and water. Well, when, when other uh, boys were eating all that, oh, here's Bell's baby back ribs. Oh my word, can, 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 here's the chicken, here's the New York strip. Well, it wouldn't have been New York strip steak. It would have been the Babylonian strip steak. <laughs> Here it is. Oh my word, there's lobster. There's chicken. This is incredible. Hey, uh, Shadrach, can you pass me the green beans? Meshach, uh, what about some more water for three years? Don't you think there would have been a couple nights where I said, if we'd only, no, nobody will remember. Come on, come on, Daniel. Can we just have a little bit. Here's the power and the point of the story in terms of a habit for you and I to glean from. The second habit this weekend is simply this. God-honoring habits are reinforced in the context of community. We have to have community in order to one another, to encourage, to pray for. There are 59 one another's in the New Testament. Do you know the activity, the primary activity of the church is to one another, one another really well. And you can't one another in a crowd. You can't one another in a row. You have to get in a circle. How many times do you think those three boys, I'm not sure if Daniel could have honored that decision to honor God above all else unless he was surrounded by some friends who say, you know, we can do this. Let's put our hope in God. Let's trust God. How many times do they go back at the end of the day thinking, really? Vegetables again, cauliflower again, really, again? Like, when's God going to show up? What's going to happen? They were faithful for three years. Well, here's how the story played out. In verse 17, it says this, To these four young men, God gave knowledge and understanding of all kinds of literature and learning. And Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kinds. After the three years were up, the king called them in. And all of a sudden, the king said this, listen, you can enter my service. In fact, scripture says that they were 10 times more wise and 10 times more, more competent than any other of the enchanters or the magicians of the Babylonians. God had done something spectacular in the hearts and the lives of Daniel and these three friends. 18 years of age by now. And here's what we learned for three years. See, here's what we learned. Decisions that honor God receive God's blessing eventually. Some of you are in that three-year waiting gap. Some of you are honoring God right now with your life, and you're thinking, God, when are you going to show up? Here's what I would say to you today. Wait. 
wait, seek God, trust him, get into community and just wait. God will honor you. God will honor your decisions. You know, I thought about this passage and I, and I, I thought to myself, boy, isn't this a big to-do about nothing? Like, really? Like, this is... This is just food. We make so many choices every single day. Like, why is this so important? An entire chapter dedicated to this idea. This is just like an everyday decision. And, and then I thought to myself, maybe that's the point of this entire story. Here's the fourth insight. Honor God in the everyday decisions of life, and God will honor you for a lifetime. Honor God in the everyday decisions of your life. And God, he will honor you for a lifetime. Why do I say a lifetime? Because the closing verse of chapter 1 is what we read about the entire life of Daniel. Verse 21 says this. It says, And Daniel remained there in Babylon until the first year of King Cyrus. For four kings, he outlasted Nebuchadnezzar. King number two, he outlasted Darius. He outlasted Darius. He landed in his 70s and he saw the reign of Cyrus. You know, when I thought about that, I thought to myself, if we were to talk to Daniel today and said, hey, Daniel, Daniel, tell us, what is the most important decision that you ever made? What was the decision that informed and shaped your, your life of faith and faithfulness of to God? In fact, the most famous story of Daniel, when we think about Daniel, right, it was his night, his night in the lion's den. Yeah, I talked about that last week. And I wonder if we would ask Daniel, Daniel, what was the most important decision that you ever made? If you were to say, well, you know, when I was in my 70s, I remember this edict came out and I was going to be killed. And so the most important decision that I made was I went back to my room and I sought God because I knew God was present. Even in the midst of crisis and turbulence, God was there. I'd practiced that habit my entire life. The most important decision was that day that I went back in my room and I saw God. I don't know if he would say that. In fact, I don't think he would say that. You know what I think Daniel would say? I think he would say this. I was 15 years old and my life was just getting started and everything was taken from me. But God made his will abundantly clear to me. And I chose to honor God above everything else. Maybe, maybe Daniel read the Hebrew scriptures where it says in 1 Samuel 2.30 that those who honor God, God will honor. And I think what Daniel discovered over the course of his life was simply this, that if you honor God, he would say, I, I discovered that if I honored God, God would honor me and he honored me through 70 years of life so that when I came to the night in the lion's den, that was, that was easy. I had built a life of faith and faithfulness. Those habits were all being groomed inside of me 
through the silent years, through the years that nobody saw. Listen, there are things that everybody wants in lives of people who are successful and choose to own the responsibility for their own growth. Successful people do consistently what other people do occasionally. The blessings and the things that we see in life by those around us who seek God, they do that in the quiet. They do that in the silent. They pay the price when nobody else is watching. They wake up early and seek God's face. They tithe when they don't have money to tithe, but they want to honor God. They pray when they're all prayed out. They parent when they're tired. They give. They sacrifice. And God honors them. God honors them. God will honor you if you honor him. So what about you? Will you honor God? You know, as we close today, there are a couple of practical things that, that you can do. The first is real simple. You have to find a small group. You have to find a small group. You, you need people around you. You need social connection. Don't isolate yourself. The enemy will kill you in isolation. It's called solitary confinement. It's a Christian version of it. Don't do it. Find a group. Find a group. Maybe you're here today and you're hurting. You're going through a divorce. You're grieving the loss of a loved one. We have two seminars coming up in November. You can register through a mobile app. Do that today. Surviving the holidays through through divorce, surviving the holidays through grief. Two Saturdays in November. Something that God's putting on my heart to grow as an individual, as a husband, and as a father. And I have a long way to go. I'm in a small group with some of my guys who are in my small group. So we have a couple small group and then one of the guys in our small group said, man, I did this stuff a couple years ago and it was so powerful for me. Hey, Adam, would you want to do that? And I was like, yeah, let's do it. And so three of us, and then we brought one of our friends in and we're doing this for 16 weeks. We're like week nine. And as I was preparing for this message, I felt like God spoke to me. In fact, he spoke to me through one of those guys in our small group. He said, I wish I could have talked to, to the Jeff in his 20s. Jeff in his early 30s when he was just starting out. And it was like God confirmed to me, I need to start a group with some men in their 20s and 30s. If you're in your 20s or 30s, you've been married for five years or less, and you want to grow as a, as a husband, as a, as a father, as a, as a worker in the world today. Like at your job, you want to win at work and at home. Then you can be a part of that. We're gonna, I'm going to start that in January. You can just email me, adam at pathwayschurch.us. You're interested? Just email me. i get you some information. If we have an abundance of 20-something guys, early 30s, then the two guys in my small group said, sign me up, I'll lead one of those. We do them on Zoom. And we sit together for about an hour and a half, watch some content, have some, some conversation. It's shaping us. That's one of the ways that you can get involved in a small group. Parents, get those FX boxes. We still have some at the office. Make sure you pick those up. Students, start Zooming with us October 28th. I believe Pastor Chad and others God has spoken to their hearts are gonna give you some great content that's gonna prepare you. If you're looking for a group, you wanna pray? Wednesday nights at 6.30 p.m. right here at our church. We have a group of people, individuals who are praying heaven down. It's powerful. 
You should come and pray if you want to pray. You want to learn how to pray, go to that group. Check it out. Get into relationship. I'm not sure if Daniel could have lived a God-honoring life and built, built those habits if not as a 15-year-old, he had a couple other friends who were saying, we're going to honor God. We're going to honor God in the everyday decisions and God is going to honor us for a lifetime. Would you pray with me? Bow your heads. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that we would live into this habit of seeing community as a place where we're held accountable and loved and cared for and encouraged and, and where we grow together. God, I pray, Lord, that you would break out in our church tight-knit groups of people who love one another, care for one another, encourage one another, honor one another, respect one another. Now, if you're here today and you've never made a decision to honor God with your life, this is the most important decision that you can make. Let me be very clear with you. You are a sinner in need of a Savior. Without Jesus Christ, you're going to face an eternity of loss and utter separation, eternal separation from God. Because of Jesus Christ, you can honor God with your entire life. You can come into relationship with him. So if you're here today and you've never made that decision to follow Jesus Christ, you can just whisper this prayer as I pray it. Jesus, come into my life. Save me from my sin. I acknowledge that you died on the cross for me. Today I repent of my sin. I confess you as my Lord and my Savior. Now, Father, thank you that you're doing this work in and through us. God, thank you for Pathways Church. The days are evil. But God, you're greater, and we choose to honor you in all of this. We pray this in Jesus' name, and everyone who agreed with this prayer said, amen and amen.